For those of you who are Grinch fans, or maybe for those of you who are a Grinch, that might be something that would be challenging. But hey, today we're starting a new series of how the Grinch steals Christmas. We're not focusing on that movie per se, but I want you to think about everything that goes on in our culture or everything that goes on in our own lives where we allow our our Christmas season to really be stolen from us because of the way we respond. You see, in the Grinch uh, who stole Christmas, we follow a grouchy, solitary, lonely creature who suffers from having a heart. What? Two sizes too small. See, the Grinch is bothered by all the noisy Christmas festivities that take place in Whoville and devises a wicked scheme or a wicked plan to keep Christmas from coming, just as we just said. And so I want you to think about this. I believe that there are things all around us that can steal the joy of Christmas from us when we allow it, if we allow it, if we allow them to. Sometimes it can be people, sometimes it can be tragedies, sometimes it can be trials or the pursuit of possessions. But regardless of where you are at in life, sometimes the circumstances we go through and the difficulties we face can lead us to have a questionable attitude towards God. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, because I really want you to think about what it means to be walking in favor. When we think about the Christmas story, a lot of times we focus on uh, a, a lot of of what we see in Luke, but I want you to think about this, what that meant for the woman Mary, for the mother of Jesus, when she found out she would be carrying the soon-to-be Savior of the world, because the reality is this, that in the midst of what she faced, her life was going to be upside down, there was going to be upheaval, there was going to be conflict, there was going to be tragedy, to a certain extent there was a trial In her life. And so, what we can see is this that the Grinch can steal our Christmas and our joy if we allow him to or if we allow it to. But God is our refuge and the one in whom we find joy. So, if you have your Bibles again, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and listen to what it says In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph and a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that in one of my other versions, the the Holman Christian Standard, which is now the Christian Standard Bible, it says this, that the angel came and said, rejoice, you who are favored by God. I think there's something to be said there about what he says, this idea of rejoicing. But he says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at it, and you can imagine just somebody showing up, this angel of the Lord, and there's no doubt she would have known it was an angel, but what it would do to you, it would greatly trouble you as well. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, and listen, I think this is one of the things we have to understand, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then verse 34, anybody in their right mind would say the same thing. How's this going to happen? How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. 
Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary's response should teach us everything we need to know. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. See, the reality is today that we face a world in which we can really say the Grinch steals Christmas. We can allow the, the, the Christmas mentality. We can allow the Christmas spirit. Matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is, yeah, for all of you elf fans, is singing loud for all to hear. You should know that by now if you're a Christmas freak. I am a a Christmas freak, and I have to say this to a certain extent, I'm not quite as freakish as my wife is. My wife has usually done Christmas shopping by October. Um, I haven't even started Christmas shopping usually by December. Matter of fact, I won't even think about Christmas shopping until December, I don't know, 20th. Not usually, but uh, pretty close to it. So I I want you to think about this. What is it that oftentimes can steal your joy, that can steal your passion during Christmas? Because let's be honest, we all are busy, correct? Correct. And when Christmas comes, it tends to be one of those things that we become more busy. We have more Christmas parties. We have more musicals. We have school shows and school plays. And you got all these different, you got work Christmas parties. You got church Christmas parties. You got life group Christmas parties. You got all of these things that go on. Then on top of that, you got to go shopping. We want to see the Christmas lights. We got to watch our Christmas movies. We got our family parties. We've got everything else and everybody gets chaotic, doesn't it? The schedules get out of control. We start to begin to lose our minds. And in some way, shape, or form, the Grinch begins to steal our Christmas. And I don't believe it's just any Grinch, all right? I don't believe it's just any one thing. These Grinches that we allow to steal our joy or steal the hope that we have so oftentimes. So here's what I want to do is we challenge you and what I would say we challenge ourselves to slow down and take in the Christmas season is to remember that today as we look at Mary and we see the size of her heart and the size of her faith that couldn't steal the joy, that she didn't allow the, what we would call the Grinches in her life that could have stole her joy and her passion. Rather, she excelled in faith and she excelled in the favor of God. So here's today what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else, remember this, that God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus. God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus. See, today as we look at this, I want to look at Mary's life. I want to examine what she did, what we can see, and really relate it to us and how we can learn from Mary and how we can celebrate and not give in to the Grinches. Here's the first thing I see. Number one is that we are to rejoice in what we are given or rejoice in what you are given. Mary was given all kinds of things, all right? Too often we allow the circumstances of life to steal our joy, to rob us of the opportunity to watch God work in our lives. But listen to what happens in Mary, again, what she does. In that Christian Standard Version, the Christian Standard Bible I told you about, the angel says to Mary, literally, rejoice, favored woman. And I think that's something we have to begin to understand because in every circumstance and situation, I wanna ask you this, do you rejoice over what you go through? Whether good or bad, whether a trial, a struggle, and a temptation, or whether a blessing. See, the reality is Mary could have looked at this and gone, oh my gosh, I don't have time for this. I mean, ladies, think about it. When you're getting ready to get married, you're engaged, you've got all these things you're working on, and all of a sudden the Lord shows up and Mary and says, hey, guess what? 
Or the angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, guess what? You who are highly favored. Mary's like, oh my gosh. I don't have time for an interruption. Could have been the response. I mean, whether it's a bridezilla mentality or anything else, but Mary, who received God's favor by no work of her own, but rather by God's grace. As a matter of fact, the term when we use favor, when it says you are highly favored, it literally is interchangeable with the word grace. So the favor of God is actually being poured out like the grace of God. So Mary received God's favor by no work of her own, but by merely by God's grace. See, God gave Mary grace as a gift. God gave Mary favor as a gift. And Jesus, the whole treasure of God's grace, was being born in Mary right then and there. And so what we begin to see is that God's favor upon Mary is really God's grace to who? Not just Mary, but everybody else. And so we can rejoice in everything that we go through, in what you are given. Rejoice in that. See, highly favored, and, and I, I, was, I was studying this, highly favored, or the term that we look at with that favor, actually appears twice. In the whole Bible, it only appears twice. All right, this word. Number one is this here in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And the second one is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to flip over there and read this real quickly so you can understand what it means. But I want you to think about this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, when he says, highly favored, listen to what happens. To the praise of his glorious grace or favor, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. See, here's the reality. We receive God's grace, God's favor, and God's mercy through the birth of Jesus Christ that takes place as a result of Mary being favored by God. See, the same favor, the same grace that God showed Mary is the same favor and grace he has freely given us in Jesus Christ. And so you have got to be saved by grace to approach life's unexpected turns. And so when we walk through life and we face the unexpected things, what I want to challenge you to do and what we can learn from Mary is that when the unexpected comes up, we rejoice in the unexpected. Why? Because God wants to work in the unexpected things in our lives. Because God wants to show his favor and his grace to get us through the trials and the difficulties, to get us through the temptations that we may face or the struggles we may walk through. And so as we walk through this text today, I want you to see that God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus. See, the truth of God's word is that we can grow even in the unexpected times, in the things that we don't expect, in the things that we never thought would happen, we can grow. It's not easy. It's not without challenge. It's not without difficulty. It may be to a certain extent. It's not without the possibility of being an outcast or rejected. But rather we can walk and rejoice in what we've been given. Number two is this. If God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus, then how do we do this? We can walk. We can rejoice in what we're given. Number two is we can walk by faith through what the Lord gives you. Number one, we rejoice in the situations that we've been given. All right? Matter of fact, Paul says it continually that in everything that we would have joy in all we do. That in everything we would seek God's glory and God's grace. But when we walk by faith through what the Lord gives you, we get to see something greater down the road. As a matter of fact, the angel Gabriel called Mary of Nazareth the favored one. The one who had received God's grace. And so this news, in reality, means this. When Mary was 
was, was betrothed to, to Joseph. She was a virgin. She hadn't been with another man. But all of a sudden, this angel shows up and he says, hey, guess what? You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a child. And Mary at that point is freaked out, rightfully so. Most of us think of Mary as some young 20s female, but the reality is she was probably a teenager, a young teenager. That was cultural norm. For those of you who don't realize that uh, uh, adolescence or teenage years was non-existent until the last hundred years. When you became 12, all right, you became an adult. There was this thing in, in Jewish culture called the bar mitzvah, and then for daughters called the bat mitzvah, that when they were 12, number one, the expectation was that you would have all the books of the law memorized. Anybody got all five books of the law memorized? Yeah, I didn't think so, all right? But your expectation was you would have the books of the law memorized, number one. Number two, your expectation was now you were an adult. It's not these teenage years to go and goof around and have fun and do whatever the heck you want, and mom and dad will foot the bill. It was the responsibility that you are now an adult, and you were to rise to the occasion, you were to step up, and you were to act like an adult. Matter of fact, my son turned 13 yesterday, which about blew my mind. Yeah, he's giving me a big thumbs up back there. <laughs> All right. I don't know how 13 came so quick. And every parent would be able to respond to that. They're like, oh my gosh, time flies. But when we walk by faith through what the Lord gives you, there are going to be problems. There are going to be difficulties. See, this news meant that there was going to be a public, a public scandal. And the possibility that Mary would be an outcast in society, that she would be cast out even from her own husband, that could have been a great possibility. But Mary walked by faith through what the Lord gave, gave her. And in reality, what the Lord does is he at the same time is working on whose heart? Joseph's. So that Joseph didn't outcast, Joseph didn't throw her away. But Mary walks by faith through what the Lord gave her as a result. Listen again what it says. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Anybody ever been... Or been in a situation where maybe the Lord was teaching you something and you were greatly troubled by what he's asking you to do? You were nervous. You were overcome with expectations. You were overcome by everything that you would face. You could look back and go, that's impossible. I'm not sure I want to walk through that. You may have looked and said, God, can it be anybody else? Could, don't you have somebody else that could do it? I mean, think about this. If I'm Mary, now this is a guy speaking, but if I'm Mary, I'm like, there's definitely got to be somebody better. There's got to be somebody that you would rather use. Like, I don't need this in my life right now. Matter of fact, maybe you've even said that. God, I don't need this right now. Listen, Mary was troubled by what was going on, but Mary also shows her faith by being obedient to what God had called her to do. She walked by faith through what the Lord gave her. See, Mary was greatly troubled. She was burdened by the news she had just heard. She could have said, surely God wouldn't allow me to go through the ridicule of having a child out of wedlock. I mean, wouldn't that be the first thought in your mind? She could have said that, man, God, I don't want this. Why are you doing this to me if I'm favored? That might be the other question. Matter of fact, you know, I, I've used this in the past, but when everything happened in our last church and I was asked to resign and there was some conflict, my question was this, God, why? If if I've been obedient to you, why would you allow this to happen to me? And I can only think that in some way, shape, or form, Mary might have had that because she was troubled. The angel of the Lord shows up. The angel tells her, you're going to be with child. He's going to be the son of the Most High. And Mary's like, 
What? If I'm favored, why would you put me in this situation? Why would you make me carry this burden? Why? You see the things that could be going through her mind? But instead, I believe that Mary shows herself walking by faith because of what she says and what she does. See, she could have said, God, why would you do this? But instead, listen to what she says in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Listen to what she's really doing. She's asking a question. She didn't doubt. She's just basically saying, God, how are you going to work this out? Because I'm not, I haven't been with the man. I have not, I have not offended you. I have not walked in unrighteousness. I have not walked in a way that is not right. How is this going to be? And listen to what happens. The beauty of the story is this, that when God shows his favor to people, God works the impossible and makes it possible. And here's what I want to encourage you with this, is that in the midst of what goes on in Mary's life, that when God calls you to do something, when God puts you in a situation to do something, God will work out the situation so that it's taken care of. God shows that with him, all things are possible, but without him, nothing is possible. So the beauty of the story is this, that when Mary walks by faith through what the Lord gives her, God shows her exactly how it's going to be. Because listen, she doesn't have the answer yet. It just says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Mary's like, that's awesome. As a matter of fact, if I could hear an audible voice that said, Brian, you have found favor with God, that would be like the greatest comfort in the world when you're walking into a difficult situation. Audible voice, angel shows up, Brian, you have found favor. You can walk now in obedience. Mary sees that. Mary understands it. And Mary then hasn't been told how though yet, has she? Mary? Don't be afraid. You've found favor with God. Mary's like, okay, great. That's awesome. You're going to be with child. What? Wait a second. You just said I found favor. Why would you do that to me? Here's the beauty of the text, though. You will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And here's why. Because he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. As a matter of fact, we sang a song last week that he shall reign forevermore. Is the beauty of this text, is the beauty of the, 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 the very message that God was delivering through the angel to Mary. That Mary, you have found favor. Mary, you are going to bear the Savior of the world. Mary, it's not based upon what you have done. Mary, it's solely based upon the grace and favor of the Lord. And listen to me, here is the reality of how that plays out in our life. Everything that you do, everything that you accomplish, everything that you face, when you face the trials, when you face the struggles, when you face what may feel like or make you feel like an outcast, God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because it's not based upon what you've done. It's solely based upon the grace and favor of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of that Ephesians text. Because Mary never doubted that God could do what he said, that God would be faithful. Mary doesn't doubt. Mary doesn't walk. She just simply asked the question, how is this going to be? She shows her faith through the question. 
And here's what I want to challenge us with. When God calls you to do something, all you should do is say, God, I don't know how that's going to work, but I know you. I will walk through this because I know that you can provide. I will walk through this because I know that you can gift me with this. Think about all the people God used in the past. Think about the people he called up. Think about the excuses every one of us could come up with. And the beauty of the gospel is this, that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, is that God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, that God uses people who everybody else would say, there's no way God could use that person, and God uses those people in great ways. All throughout Scripture, we see God use people in great ways. See, fear, I believe wholeheartedly, leads us to walk in our own strength. And, and make our own decisions. And it will take us away from what the Lord desires for us. But when we walk by faith, faith says, look, I understand that there are fearful things behind it, but I will not let fear dictate to me how I'm going to walk in obedience. Mary did not allow the fear, because she was troubled, dictate her faith. She walked by faith first. And so God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus. Number one, we said that we can rejoice in what we are given. Rejoice in every circumstance and situation. And we can go back even to what I said last week about Malachi. As a matter of fact, uh, for those of you who were here last week, I shared a story about uh, one of my friends that I went to school with. Um, my wife and I have become really good friends with him and his wife. Or I don't want to say really good friends. Friends. Um, he's pastoring a church down in Warsaw, Missouri. It's called the Church of Living Water. Um, and they have planted a couple other churches. As a matter of fact, they're getting to plant one in Windsor, getting ready to. Well, their son, about three, three weeks ago to a month ago, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor that's on his brainstem. He's 13 years old. And last week, he was down in Carolina at the Carolina Panthers football game. Got to meet Cam Newton. Got a picture with Cam Newton. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. But his son is teaching his father, my friend Daniel, about faith. Because when it came up, he said, why not me? God wants to use this as an opportunity for me to tell others about the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not a 13-year-old. That's a full-grown adult. He's not stuck in adolescence. He's walking by faith. And I want to challenge you that we walk by faith in everything that we do. And number three is this. If God shows favor to the ones who delight in connecting with him through Jesus, then we have to understand that surrender lets us see God's strength in action. When we surrender to what God has called us to do, it lets us see God's strength in action. Listen to Mary, what she says again. She asked, first of all, how will this be since I am a virgin? And it says the angel answered that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born of God will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. But listen to verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. See, when we surrender, it lets us see God's strength in action. So I want to ask you this. Can you say that when God unfolds a path before you that, that looks uncertain, it looks undesirable, or maybe even 
threatening? Can you say that I would walk by faith? Can you look and say, God, hey, look, for nothing is impossible with God. This path may seem like it's blocked. This path may seem like it's an obstruction. This path may seem like it's impossible. But what if, what if his plan, like his plan for Mary, means no wedding? It means a loss of reputation. It means a life that will be misunderstood by many. What if God calls you to do those things? Are you surrendered? Will you surrender? Will you follow him no matter what? See, what if his plan costs you everything? Your reputation. What if it causes people to question your character and integrity? No doubt thinking about this, that Mary's character and integrity would have been questioned wholeheartedly. You got to think about the culture we're in, we're in today. Teenage pregnancy is a cultural norm. Back there, it would have been, oh my gosh, she's an unwed woman. Think about going back to the Old Testament. What was a result of adultery, according to the Old Testament teaching at the time, was a stoning. And yet, God uses a single, engaged woman who's a virgin to supernaturally bear the Savior of the world. So I think there's some key things we have to understand here through this is this. Contrary to popular opinion that the Christian Jesus is completely separate and different from the Jesuses of many other what we'll call cults and religions. And whether you like it or not, this is something that separates it out wholeheartedly. Jesus is not the brother of Satan. Jesus is not the result of a sexual relationship between God the Father and Mary. Jesus is supernaturally born to Mary as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon her. If God is God, God can supernaturally do what he wants to do. And that's exactly what he does here because Mary was favored and God works a supernatural thing out. See, the, the Christ of Christianity is different from the Christ of Mormonism. Very different. Because the God of Christianity is different than the God of Mormonism. Because the God of Mormonism says this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he was only effectual for the people of this earth because when they inherit their planet, they're going to have to come up with their own Jesus. Now, I know in the midst of where we live, and I know in the midst of what's taught, but I want you to understand this, that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of Christianity is completely different, separate from, and completely opposite of what is taught in Mormon theology and Mormon teaching. See, what if his plan is different than what you expected? What if God's big picture was different than your small picture or small view? What if God's path led you down a different direction than the path you ever dreamed of? What if God's path called you away from being a flight surgeon from NASA and into being a shepherd and doctor or servant in Uganda, Lesotho, and then Tanzania? See, surrender lets us see God's 
strength in action. Listen again what he says. Nothing is impossible, or what she says. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know when or how he's going to do this, but I believe he is going to do it. And then there's a beautiful response that Mary gives us in, in, in the following way, and, and we have to begin to see what takes place. See, when life turns unexpectedly, it isn't our first motive or isn't our first move or our first thing always to complain. And listen to what Mary does. When life changes for her unexpectedly. She acknowledges that nothing is impossible with God. And then in verse 38, listen, here's her surrender. Listen to what she says. I am the Lord's what? Servant. Some of your versions may say slave. It's this idea that she has put Christ first and foremost, that in everything she does, God will be glorified because God is the one who she has put her faith and trust in. See, the simple fact is this. When life turns unexpectedly, it may be the first idea that we should complain, but the reality is that our first, should, our first thing should be this. I am your servant, and I am willing to do whatever it is. And listen to what she says. May it be to me as you have said. She is walking by faith, surrendered in everything that she does, and as a result of that, she gets to see God's strength in action, God's grace and favor played out in her life. See, we can easily become slaves to our own wills, our own desires, to our own plans, our own agendas, our own egos, our own dreams, and instead we must respond as Mary did, that we put all of those things aside and we hand it over to the Lord, and we walk just as he did. We handle it just as she did, that we can expect the unexpected because God wants to work in that way in us. See, Mary's answer shows us how we should respond in our times of fear and trouble, that we respond with surrender. I want you to think about this, and this is how we're going to wrap up. Five things about this child that she would bear that we can see. And the beauty of her surrender. She has been, just been told that she will bear this son. Listen again what it says now in the following. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will be over you. But listen, here's a result. You will be with child and you will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be, listen, great Number one. Number two, he will be called Son of the Most High. All right? The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Number three. Number four, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Or, sorry, the, yeah, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And number five, his kingdom will never end. Jesus, or sorry, Mary's unexpected interruption in her life leads to the greatest interruption in the whole history of humanity. An uncomfortable situation and setting with which she's in is used as a result for God's glory and God's kingdom. In reality, everything plays out in a big picture way. See, Mary's faith in the grace and favor of God leads to the greatest king and the greatest victory the world has ever seen. That's why we don't allow the Grinch to steal our Christmas. That's why we don't allow the, the busyness and chaos to steal away the joy of this Christmas season. Why? Because the joy of this Christmas season is not wrapped up in the prizes and possessions that we gain and the gifts that we give. It's rather wrapped up in the very Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. Matter of fact, the Christmas or this Christmas, you can allow the Grinch to steal your Christmas or you can remember 
as a result of the Grinch doing what he did, that Christmas isn't about the presents and the trees and the lights, but that Christmas is so much more. It's not about the stockings hung by the chimney with care. No, there's no need to fret over all the little things and miss out on the main thing. And so here's how I want to finish up with this very simply. You can experience God's favor every day you walk with him. You can experience God's grace every day that you walk with him. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then today is the day to acknowledge him as your Savior. And I want to I finish with this, and I'm going to jump back to Ephesians chapter 1, because I think this is the beauty of God's favor and God's grace poured upon us. Listen again, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to actually read on just a little bit farther, and this is how we're going to close. Ephesians 1, verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, his favor, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, In him, the one he loves, Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will. Remember, Mary didn't know what it meant, but he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Here's the beauty of being in God's favor. When you are in God's favor, you walk in God's grace, you get to see exactly what he said played out. That the, with the, that, that the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom in understanding. Mary didn't see the big picture. But Mary walked in obedience. And what I want to challenge you with is this, that when God gives you something to walk through, that you would rejoice in the circumstance and situation, even though it may not be easy, even though the path may be tough, even though it may cause you to be looked at as an outcast, that you walk with grace, that you walk with favor, because you understand that you may not see the big picture, but you can trust God because nothing is impossible with God. That in everything you walk through, you can go through it with grace and favor. Let's pray. Lord, we know that at times it does, it's not easy to look at the big picture, to see Mary and to walk by faith. God, the doubt, the struggle, the discouragement, the temptation, the feeling of hopelessness maybe even, the reality that others are going to look at us in a different way. And so God, I pray today that God, in the midst of what we walk through in Christmas, God, what a great season we can enter into. God, I pray that we don't allow the Grinches in our Christmas world to overwhelm us and steal the joy. God, may we walk by faith. May we rejoice in every path that you take us down, in every trial and temptation, in every struggle. May we rejoice because we can watch and see you work, that as we walk surrendered, we can see the strength of God at work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God, I pray today that we would be a church that walks in your favor, that walks under your grace, knowing that it is without you, we are not able to accomplish anything. 
God, we know that you call us and you say that you will build your church. And so, God, I pray that we would just connect simply with you daily. God, you would give us a hunger in our heart for your word. You would give us a desire to see people come to faith in Christ. That, God, you would grow this church, not because of anything that we do, but because of everything about who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.